Welcome to The Joys of Binge Reading, the show for anyone who ever got to the end of a great book and wanted to read the next instalment. We interview successful series authors and recommend the best in mystery, suspense, historical and romance series, so you'll never be without a book you can't put down. You'll find this episode's show notes, a free ebook, and lots more information at thejoysofbingereading.com. And now, here's our show. Hi there, I'm your host, Jenny Wheeler, and today I'm talking to LA mystery writer, Nancy Cole Silverman. Nancy's enjoyed a great Hollywood radio career working both sides of the microphone before she decided to do what she'd always wanted to do most, and that is write fiction. She created the Carol Childs Mystery Series. Now, Carol is a 40-year-old LA cub reporter who's trying to prove herself to a Wonder Boy boss half her age at the same time as she's a primary custodial parent for her 16-year-old son. Yes, there are challenges aplenty for this would-be Wonder Woman, and many of them are ones that Nancy herself has encountered in real life. But before we hear from Nancy, just a quick reminder, the show notes for this episode can be found at the website thejoysofbingereading.com. That's where you'll find links to Nancy's website and books, as well as a free ebook and information on how to subscribe to future podcasts if you like what you hear. But now, here's Nancy. Hello, Nancy, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Now, you've had a successful radio career, a very successful radio career, and you could be forgiven for thinking you really got nothing more to prove. So I'm just wondering, was there a once upon a time moment for you when you realized you wanted to write fiction more than anything else? Uh, you know, that's a really good question. And I will tell you, I think there were several. Um, and one time, probably the beginning of it was when I was working in a news station in Los Angeles. And I realized some of the stories I heard were just so wonderful, really interesting. And if you put the headlines together, you could make a really good novel. Um, of course, the news director I was working for didn't like that idea and kind of banished me from the newsroom and said, don't say that again. Um, and then later, when I retired from radio, I thought, I'd had such an interesting career. I had met so many interesting, colorful people. Um, and I was too old to go back into radio. I had retired as manager of a sporting news radio station. And I thought, if I go back, I'm working for somebody half my age. So I'll just make it up. So that's, that was what led me to writing the, the Carol Childs Mysteries. Yes, and I love the fact, actually, that you've got this 40-year-old cub reporter with a Wonder Boy boss who's half her age. And I'm sure that a lot of women could identify with that situation. I think so, because, you know, women, um, you know, we always are doing such a balancing act. Uh, and I particularly, uh, pulling from my own life, was pulling a balancing act because I was a single parent with two kids. And it was always a matter of which jobs I could take based upon where my family was. And that responsibility had to come first. So with Carol, it was it was a natural thing for her when the opportunity came and the station said, you know, there is an opening in the news department for a cub reporter. And she had been kind of on the business side and doing very well. And she said she jumped at it and said, oh, I want to do that. 
And of course, the news director did not want some 40-year-old mother working for him. And so she had to prove herself. And that uh, that's kind of a natural position a lot of women find themselves in when an opportunity does arise. If they lean forward and they take it, the first thing they're going to find is somebody doesn't want them there, doesn't think they're qualified for it, and how much they have to prove themselves. Totally. I, I, in my experience in journalism, that is totally how it goes. You're right. Um, I, I was reading online, you said that the mantra for the Carol Child, Carol Child series was, when in doubt, don't, and that it was inspired by your smart, sassy, and fearless grandmother, It was. (laughs) And I think you also confessed, I wish I had followed that particular piece of advice. So (laughs) I just asked myself, do tell us, was there a life-changing moment or two when you didn't follow it and thought afterwards, maybe I should have listened to grandma? Oh, so often. (laughs) So often. You know, growing up, uh, that was my grandmother's statement. You know, she used to say, you know, when in doubt, girls don't. And I had uh, two sisters and uh, a couple of uh, cousins. And we all used to kind of roll our eyes, say, yeah, yeah, grandma, right. You know, we're, we're, we're with it. We know what's going on. That you know, we don't need to worry about that. Well, so often I'd get halfway down a path of a decision that I'd made and thought, ay, 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 if I had only really thought this through, when if I if I'd listened to that doubt and not done this, I wouldn't be in this position. You know. And on the other hand, sometimes you kind of have to do jump into something and, and try things. But I always laughed at those expressions. I've got several of her expressions, and I have them in my office frequently around. It says, "When in doubt, don't." And I think that was a clever one. So that was the that it was my mantra. Yes. Although, as you also say, if you'd followed that, Carol Childs might never have been written. That's true. That's true. Probably not. So, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's good sides to that, bad sides to it. But, you know, Carol always kind of thinks, you know, oh, boy, okay, I, I should have listened to that. And Sherry, uh, her best friend, um, really kind of uh, brings that around to her a lot because Sherry challenges her a lot. And that's what best friends do. Uh, they're your sounding board. And I think I couldn't have written Carol without her best friend, Sherry, because Sherry really is Carol's opposite. Everything, she's everything, Carol is not. Well, Carol is, you know, can can survive on fast food and a, a low budget that she can stretch and raise her kids with and work as, work as a reporter on a reporter's salary. Sherry is, is the opposite. She is a, a trust fund baby who is uh, retired or who's never really had to work because her father did well in the industry and left her quite well. And they're good friends because they have they have kids the same age, which is kind of a natural thing for mothers. Sure, sure. And the series has also been praised for what's been called your ripped from the headline storylines. And I wondered if this is a bit of a legacy of your days of journalism. I think so. Um, You know, I'm a newsie. Um, I follow the news. I grew up in newsrooms. Um, What you hear is, is frequently just what we know about news is generally just those first 30 seconds or 10 second blips that we get and we go about our day and we have our own interruptions. Um, And I just found that fascinating, uh, what goes on in the newsroom and what goes on in finding the facts behind the story and how you really have to work to get that. So I couldn't help but be influenced by that. And when I sat down to write, I would generally try to pull from uh, news headlines that are current and some that I knew of, and it's kind of a, a, match, a mashup of a lot of those things, but it gives it a very real feel on the page. Sure, sure. 
the feedback that you get from readers, what do they tell you they like best about the series? Uh, they find it very fast-paced. I think readers today like things that are fast and quick. Um, gone are the days, I think, unfortunately, I'll say, of the sagas. I think um, there's been some wonderful, uh, Michelin <laughs> wrote wonderful sagas. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people don't give it the time for that. Um, so I find that my readers like like short and quick and fast and something happening on every page that they can't, that makes them want to turn the pages and they can't put the book down. Um, I also think I, I get a lot of comments about the character development because Carol's world feels very real to the reader who picks up that book because the characters are, are really drawn from my own experiences. They're not, they're not perfect. Uh, they're flawed. Uh, we know that. We certainly know Carol is, is well, she's, she's trying very hard to, uh, to be a successful reporter, and that really right now in her life is her goal. Uh, she's a very flawed character. She makes a lot of mistakes, and yet she, uh, she uh, is, is a good person. She forgives herself and she forgives others um, and gets right back up and tries again. Sure, sure. Perhaps turning away a little from specific book focus to the wider career, is there one thing you've done in your writing career more than any other that's been the secret to your success? Ah, discipline. <laughs> you know, the really the secret to success with writing is discipline. Uh, you have to just really uh, show up every day and, and be committed to it. Uh, you have to be gripped with the passion of wanting to get a book out. Um, I think I've been fortunate in my life in that I was uh, disciplined both uh, in my career with in radio and, and wanting to, I looked forward each day to going to work, to what it was going to be about, to who I'd meet, to what the stories would be, to the business opportunities. Um, I mean, I worked my way up all the way from, um, you know, writing copy to the general manager of a sports radio station, which <laughs> will tell you, <laughs> got it a sense of humor. <laughs> I did not belong as a general manager of a sport radio station. But, um, you know, they were looking around for somebody who really understood the structure of a station and contracts and hiring and the running and that. And, and for that, I was qualified. But uh, actually, I lived with a calendar. I had no idea half the time what the content was of that the, the, the programming. But it was a great experience, and I really loved it. My real passion, though, was news and talk, which I enjoyed. And I think it's a matter of finding uh, for success. If you're going to be a writer, you have to be passionate about it. You have to be passionate about your product uh, and your story. And that doesn't mean every day you'll sit down and you're as excited about it. Some days you just have to push through and, and, and find what excites you on that page and write a scene that excites you until you are re-engaged with the story. Sure. I see that you did write a number of standalone novels before you um, got established into this mystery series. I wondered what attracts you to the mystery genre and why do you think that mysteries and thrillers are so popular right now? Uh, escapism. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think, you know, uh, you, it's an escape. It truly, it, it takes you out of the realm, out of your life, uh, whether you're um, not happy with the current situation you're in or you're bored. Um, it's a great way to uh, escape into somebody else's life and know that at the end of 300 some pages, the crime is going to be solved. And hopefully along the way, you've learned something and been exposed to something, maybe how to chuckle. Uh, 
and uh, were excited by it. Um, I like mystery. I did a number of books. I think like anything, um, I read Malcolm Gladwell's Tipping Point, and he said, what do you need, 10,000 hours at anything before you've got any, the beginnings of any expertise in it? Um, and even though I had written from the time I was a small child writing but the very first thing I ever wrote was a mystery I turned into my fourth grade uh, creative writing teacher for a contest. And that I think I was just always taken with the what if and who knew about that type of thing. Um, but I think it's a matter of uh, really it's, it's escapism, writing something that somebody's going to take them out of their realm. Yeah, sure. Um, if, if there, is there a mystery in your own life that might be the possible plot line for a story? Oh, that's a good question, Jenny. Um, actually, what started me writing uh, the Carol Childs mysteries, and I had been written, I had written about five or six standalones. And as I was going to say, those are kind of, as a writer, you kind of, you just have to put, write an awful lot of stuff. Some of it's going to be accepted. Most of it, most of it is not. Most of it, you could wallpaper your walls with rejection letters. I'm like everybody else. I've got, I've got my fair share and then some, <laughs> but uh you could, uh, I, I started writing a book. I had a, an experience. I had um, a house I was uh, selling and I was, uh, I couldn't sell it. So I ended up leasing it and I had a group of uh, right-wing extremists move into it. And I had no idea who these people were or that they were right-wing extremists or they just were presented to me by a legitimate realtor as a nice couple. And I realized I was drawn into um, um, a group of these people weren't going to pay me. They weren't going to move out of my house. And they had decided that this house was now theirs and belonged in their country. And I thought, what? <laughs> you heard that right. It was in their country. And that began um, really uh, a serious situation for myself because I, ha I became a, um, a uh, expert. I became a, a witness uh, for the FBI with a group that was associated with the Montana Freeman here in this country, uh, which, which thought the country was illegal. And it was a long court case. It was very interesting. But when I finished with that and I finally got my house back, um, I thought, I've got to write this. And quite truthfully, I didn't know how to write it uh, because I had been a victim. And then I really blamed myself for being so stupid as to how I could possibly have ended up in this. And that's the, what happens to victims is you blame yourself. And so then I wrote it both as a serious novel and as a, as a uh, comedy, uh, kind of as a catch-22 type of thing. And then I put it behind me and I said, okay, now I've done that. But I'm going to write a mystery and I'm going to write a series of mysteries. And that's when I launched on Carol Childs. That's fascinating. What are those books actually called? I, I must admit I hadn't really seen those ones. <laughs> well, you can't get that one. <laughs> <laughs> actually, and that was, the first one was called When in Doubt, Don't. And that is no longer available. That was what I, I first put out there. And it did get a lot of interest. And um, then I, I started um, Shadow of Doubt. And that really is the beginning of the Carol Childs mysteries. But if you go online, people keep saying, well, where can I, where can I get when in doubt don't? And that was kind of my experiment. Yeah. <laughs> and that was your no. trainer wheels. It was my training wheels. It really was. And I also wrote a couple of others, but that really uh, was, you know, I needed to get that. I needed to get, I needed to give birth to that uh, and get it, get away from it and then say, that's behind me now. And now I can, now I'm going to launch on something that's fun and I'm going, and this is where I'm going. And so I write what I call, uh, soft-boiled mysteries. Um, I'm published by a traditional uh, publishing house that really handles a lot of cozies, and I'm kind of to the 
the very right of cozy. I'm I'm soft boiled, so these are are not necessarily cozies, but there there's no language in them. There's no sex on the page or violence on the page because in the newsroom we didn't we absolutely couldn't use certain words <laughs> on the air, and we didn't witness the actual violence. So we we investigated it, we reported on it. So that was a good way to kind of sidestep those kind of trickier issues that. I might have had in a traditional mystery. Sure, that's a great phrase. I hadn't actually heard that before, softball. That's that's really good. Um, I know that one of the things that people often like about series is the setting, and they and they enjoy the setting. And I must admit, I was partly drawn to your series by the thought of contemporary LA, a bit of a Hollywood edge, um, the newsy angle. If you were going to organise a literary magical mystery tour for the Carol Child series, where would you trip advise people to go? Oh, I love that question. You've got such good questions. <laughs> well, Carol lives in the San Fernando Valley. She uh, lives off of about Dickens Street in Sherman Oaks, and that's just below Mulholland. And uh, her best friend, Sherry, lives at Mulholland, and, uh, you know, she's in, she's living in the family home that her father built, and he was a former uh you know, actor, producer, director, and she has kind of a very uh, mansionish house at the top of Mulholland that overlooks both the city and you can see the ocean from there. Um, and so I would like to start you in the valley uh, at Carol's house in Sherman Oaks. I'd drive up to Mulholland and visit Sherry and we'd have coffee up there. And of course, Sherry would make a great latte because Sherry doesn't make anything that's just basic. And then we'd probably dive down, go down La Cienega to the radio station, which is uh, loosely, loosely modeled after what KABC was, where I worked for many years. Um, and then on into Venice because so many things take place in Venice. Venice is uh, a very um, colorful beach city. Um, a lot of uh, anything you would ever see, you, you'd want to see in the world. I mean, anything from the hippie generation to, you know, young actresses uh, skateboarding in bikinis down the down the boardwalk, um, and then the pier, um, and to several good restaurants in town. So it would be very LA. Um, I think LA has a lot to offer. It's a very um, diverse community because there's so many different cultures here, and um, you can get, you know, um, last uh, Christmas, actually, the day after Christmas, I took my husband for a, a real Korean masseuse, uh, and we went to a Korean uh, bathhouse on <laughs> the 26th, you know, but it was very authentic, and then after that, we went for a Korean dinner, and it was kind of fun, because you can do so many different things in the city that you wouldn't ordinarily be able to do in some places, so that would be my tour. That sounds great. I think you should do a blog on it. <laughs> I will. That's a good idea. Turning to Nancy as the reader, as you know, this podcast is called The Joys of Binge Reading, and it was partly sparked by this discussion about um, Netflix and its influence on reading, that there is a Netflix phenomenon in books where people now are particularly being able to go online. If they finish a book at 10.30 at night and they want the next instalment, they can get it on uh, and on Kindle and start reading the next book before they even turn the light out. Um, so have you ever been a binge reader yourself, um, either in the past or now? And if so, what... What are the ones that you have felt attracted to and couldn't put down? 
I am. I confess, I am. <laughs> um, you know, um, years ago, um, and I've, I've always say I have had, I've lived several lives simultaneously, but when I was very young, I, was, uh, I lived in Europe for about four years, and I read every one of Philippa Gregory's historical novels on the, Tudor fa- on the Tudor period, and I just loved them. I couldn't put one down, and that was before you could get anything uh, digitally, but I would go to the library, and as soon as I'd finished one, I'd go back and get two more. Um, I also uh, more more currently have read um, gosh just about everything Michael Conley has done. Um, I love Joyce Carol Oates. Uh, I also am just finishing uh, Louise Penny's new book, and I, I like her. So I, I I try to sample as a writer. Um, I try to sample something off the bestseller list all the time and stay within the series or out there. I've certainly read um, uh, a lot of. Um, now I'm going to draw a blank here. Um, Janet Ivanovich's series, as well as Sue Grafton's, because those would be uh, fans of hers would probably be fans of mine, and I like to know what they're doing and and follow them. Um, but I also try to read um, other writers that are new and upcoming, people that I meet at, at conventions and so forth, uh, people that I meet in writing groups, because uh, you owe you owe to give back and people will ask you to read their work and they want your critics and, and you, you want theirs too. So I always try to have that interspersed with something I'm reading. And then of course, when you're writing something, um, as I am right now, I'm writing, I'm working on book five, uh, in the Carol Childs mysteries. Um, you really are, are awfully busy doing that. So you don't get as much free time to read, but I do try to get a bit of a couple hours a day of, of free reading of things I like in addition to my writing schedule. That sounds great. Just circling back to the beginning, at this stage in your career, if you were doing it all over again, what would you change, if anything? Mm. Gosh, uh, I got a degree in journalism with a minor in uh, speech and drama. I think I might, uh, I'd like to have gone back and gotten an English degree because I just love to sit and listen to English teachers. Particularly English lit teachers. Um, I wish I'd had more of a more time to do that um, to study the greats. Um, I that's again within my reading. I always try to pick up something, but I would have loved to have, have, have spent more time there doing that. It's interesting that that's something that's going to feed Nancy rather than actually change your career. Probably isn't it? At this point, my career, <laughs> my my hard career days, <laughs> thankfully, are kind of behind me. I. I have my office, as you can see here, uh, don't yeah. know if you can see this, in my home. Um, this was my youngest son's upstairs bedroom, which was kind of a bonus room. And so when he moved out and said he wasn't coming home again, I thought, great, I'm taking this. It's mine. Um, and I don't go anywhere in LA because traffic is so bad between 7 and 10 a.m. or between 4 and 7 p.m. because those are primetime traffic. So I, I write in the morning and, and those times at night or late at night. And then I will sometimes go out for lunch or do something during the middle of the day. Um, I don't really want to return to the workaday workforce uh, like that. I like writing. I get a tremendous a bit out of it. I think it's as, as, as much of a gift to me as it, hopefully it is to my readers. Um, and I've got several other things in mind that I'd like to be doing. So I, I treat this as a full-time job. This is not a hobby. I, I treat this as a full-time job. Sure, sure. And that brings us really nicely into talking about what's next for Carol Childs. I know that Book four, Beyond Dark, was published earlier this year, and you've talked about working on book five. I think you've also 
spoken of a possible breakout series with that psychic that you have in Carol Childs called Misty Dawn as the main character. Have you given any more consideration to that? I have, and I um, am toying with that. I would really like to do that. I like Misty. Misty showed up again in, uh, uh, I think it was book three, uh, without a doubt. She showed up in book one, and then she showed up again in book three because she is, you know, kind of a typical older person who's 65 plus, uh, probably didn't plan. You know, she came to L.A. back in the 60s as a hippie driving a van and selling love potions and uh, didn't really put a lot of money aside. Uh, She became a psychic to the stars and was a little bit of a Hollywood name because she would be counseling, you know, uh, famous stars about their love life and so forth. But when she fell out of favor, she didn't have a lot of of money uh, to lean back on. And so she shows up on Carol's doorstep and Carol being kind of a a good person uh, took her in and said that she could use her as a housekeeper and kind of a companion. And so she's living with Carol. But I like Misty. There's things about Misty I find very interesting. She's a curious woman. She's not somebody you would suspect for anything. So she's a great snoop. You know, she's um, she's a little bit heavy set. She's she's quite a chatterbox. Uh, she would e- she's easily confused, and so she could easily walk into a room and do a whole lot of snooping around that people wouldn't necessarily know who she is or what she's doing. Um, so I'm I'm playing around with some ideas for a series with her. Yes, right now. The the name Ronald Reagan comes to mind yes. when I think of <laughs> Nancy Reagan had her psychic. It probably would have been Misty Dawn, right? Exactly, You're right there. Yeah, because uh, Misty is also, you know, she's a legit psychic. She doesn't need props and cards and uh, tea leaves to read something. You know, she gets her readings off of people, um, and she. Uh, you know, she's been used by the FBI, as there have been uh, psychics that have been used by the FBI. She was used by the FBI to find the body in book one, um, where she just had a feeling where this young girl had fallen and found her. So she's got a, she's legitimate about her powers, but as she's gotten older, as we all get older, you know, gee, you walk into a room and think, well, what did I come here for? So her memory is not as good as it was, and so her psychic abilities, as a result, are sometimes a little fallible. I don't want to have any spoilers for people listening, but I was rather interested in the change in romantic status between book three and book four. So I'm on tenterhooks to see how that turns out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, Eric, uh, which is her original love interest, and, you know, between reporters and cops, there's always that little bit of forbidden sexuality and tension. And so there is that. Um, but, you know, Carol is, is, is interesting. She really doesn't want to be tied down again. You know, she was tied down very young with two children. And, um, you know, she's a little, little afraid of if that doesn't work out. So she doesn't get close to men, which really makes for a interesting character. But also, you know, it doesn't make the pages. You're not going to find a romance novel here. You're going to find a woman who's an independent woman who is, yes, she's attracted to men and men come and go in her life, but she's not about to uh, give it all up and, and, and get a diamond ring and, and, and cash in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about a series based around your interests in horses? I know that you're keen on horses. Have you thought about something in the equestrian area? Oh, I love horses. As a matter of fact, um, 
when I first retired from radio, um, I launched a newspaper for Southern California called the Equestrian News. And that was really based upon, you know, when you launch radio stations, you look for market need. Where is there a hole in the market and what type of people would listen and what type of advertisers would be there and is there money for it and is it marketable? And so when I left radio, I thought, well, let me do the same thing for a newspaper, uh, a specialty newspaper, a, a niche publication. And Los Angeles is the largest equestrian city in the United States. We have more horses within the city than any other city in the country. Now, that in itself isn't a surprise because Los Angeles is a large city, so we have a lot more of most things than most cities because we are just large. So you kind of default on the fact large brings us number one on a lot of things. But I thought it would be interesting to do a newspaper for the equestrian community because it was interesting. It was uh, There was a lot of variety in the types of riding people do, the types of horses, the locations, the events. And so I started this newspaper, and I... It went along for about seven or eight years, and I I started writing writing again, and I was uh, really having a good time with it, and I had a bad accident. Um, if I had not had that accident, I wouldn't be writing the Carol Child's Mysteries. <laughs> um, I uh, had a beautiful horse, and he took off with me one day, and then he stopped, and I didn't. And uh, my husband said, you know, you got to give this up. You got to hang those those spurs up because uh, you can't continue to fall like this. And I had fallen several times, and I think he was, much as I hated to say it, I think he was right in that regard. So I, um, I did retire from write, from writing. Um, I still um, have some interest in working therapeutically with some horses and some uh, children, which I think I find that a very interesting uh, thing to do. Where horses are used for therapeutic reasons with uh, disabled children. Is that something like riding for the disabled or? Yes, or veterans riding, anybody who's been hurt in an accident or who is disabled in any way, they will put them on the back of a horse and they've got people who work with them to help them manipulate the horse. And for some small children that have been crippled or are always in a wheelchair, it's the first time they sit in their eye to eye with their caregivers. And it's a wonderful experience. And the horses are good and it's fun and I enjoy that. Um, and it is something that I'd like to spend more time doing. Um, and I did mention it a little bit about it in, in a book I wrote called, um, oh gosh, uh, The Centaur's Promise, which was something I wrote years ago, which I liked. So I, there'll always be in my life, but as far as writing uh, dressage and uh, jumping, which I was kind of enjoying, that's not going to happen again. <laughs> not going to come off again. <laughs> too old to do that. Yeah. Oh, well, that's, that's another lovely story, actually. So, Nancy, it's been great talking to you. I just wonder, can you tell now people, where can they find you online? Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Okay. Well, you can go to my website, nancycolesilverman.com. That's Nancy, N-A-N-C-Y, Cole, C-O-L-E, Silverman, S-I-L-V-E-R-M-A-N.com. And on that site, I actually have some short stories that are, you can listen to. There's some audible short stories that... Uh, are there in addition to my books and kind of follow what I'm doing. Um, or you could go on Facebook and friend me on uh, uh, Nancy Cole Silverman uh, and go to my author page and follow me there. Or the Carol Child's Mysteries on Facebook as well. Uh, or you could go online and uh, find me at any bookstore online. Or you can go into a bookstore in your neighborhood and just ask for my books and I'm sure they can get them if they don't have them. But Thank you so much, uh, Jenny. It's been wonderful chatting with you this afternoon. 
You've been a great interview subject, Nancy. Thank you so much and all the best with the writing. Oh, thank you. Have a great day. I appreciate being called. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Joys of Binge Reading podcast. You can find all the details and links for this episode at www.thejoysofbingereading.com. We'd love to hear your comments and suggestions for who you'd like us to interview next. And if you enjoyed the show, take a moment to subscribe on iTunes or a similar provider so you won't miss out on future guests. Thanks for joining us and happy reading.